0: Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Well,
1: there's so much going on. It's like, yay! I don't even know where to start. Um, Miracles are starting to break out. Um, we'll probably have a testimony Sunday. I don't, know if, I don't see David here, but um, metals disappearing. This morning at uh, intercession, it was really amazing. But um, David had a, uh, David Wiley had a clamp put in. He had an aneurysm in the stomach. And so they said, well, you'll always have that metal there. It's be. So anyway, he went this week because he was having a checkup and said, we, we can't find the metal clamp. Where <laughs> Where's the metal clamp? <laughs> so I said bring the documented evidence of the before and after. And so, and uh, Lisa, I think Lisa Henry, I saw her here earlier. Uh, we've also got the documented, her cancerous tumor in a kidney disappeared. They tried to find it, couldn't find it. So praise God. And then, man it's just amazing what's going on. What's that? Yeah, and your documented shoulder. That's, yeah, so God's, God's doing it. Praise God. I just get excited when he's doing all that. So, just a reminder, uh, Friday night we'll be at Johnny Mercer's Pier at 6 o'clock. Don't come to the tent, right? So I think the uh, saturated volunteers need to be there a little earlier. But uh, we'll be at Johnny Mercer's and see what the Lord does. And the following week we'll be at Surf City and then we'll figure it out from there. I did get a call from a revivalist, uh, some of you can look him up, Bob DeLuca. He was part of the pineapple revival that uh, the Hugheses who've been coming to the tent, right? Their daughter sings, uh, Kaylee. Well, when they were in Australia, so Bob DeLuca will be here um, preaching. He'll actually have invited him to come to the Surf City event with his wife. They're gonna drive up from Florida he was he was getting really impacted when we were just talking on the phone he goes look I I prophesied about several different revivals something's going on and I just need to be I was going to go to England but you know what I'm I want to come here right now so so he's going to be here and then he'll preach Sunday the 17th so this Sunday we have uh, our missionary family from uh, from uh, Costa Rica will be here Peyton and Julie will preach Sunday and uh yeah, so it's it's just exciting times to, to be alive. So, yeah, yeah. About Friday night, I looked on my phone and um,
2: the town of wrights beach has paid parking through eight o'clock at night. So finding a free space is almost impossible. Mm. So people need to carpool or Uber or be prepared to feed the meter, or pay with the you know with the with the pay per park because it's through eight o'clock. I Thank checked you. today.
1: How much parking at your house? <laughs> okay, <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. Okay, um, questions about we've had some interesting things happening. So praise God. Last Wednesday night was a rather dynamic night, but we had a, uh, some folks here that have had. They don't need any more convincing about the spirit realm. Let's just put it that way. They had things moving in their house, headboard shaking, all sorts of demonic activity um, I wanna elaborate on. So I just said, well, let's, first we confirm that they were all safe. So we prayed for three of them to get saved and rededicated to the Lord. And then they started to uncover some things that, I said, well, let's look at what's authorizing this in your house and the Masonic, 33 degree Masonic, all sorts of articles there associated with that, um, all sorts of uh, statues, uh, candles, incense burning. So that stuff would be really good to get that out of your house, all right? And so, so the dynamics of that just kind of confirm the teaching. What's the authorization of the darkness that's there? And so, so I would just encourage you Go, if you've got stuff, ancestral stuff, and one of the family members wasn't very happy that came here afterwards, said, so, well, that's our history of our family. Well, um, you might want a new history. I mean, you know, just a thought. So I would encourage you to pray. Uh, my mom, I had a grandfather who was in the uh, in the Masons, and my dad had some an artifact ring. So when they lived in Virginia, One day my mom was praying, I had done a teaching, we had done something, I don't recall. There's a book by Barbara Casada called Unto Death, if you want some information on on the Masonic and what's it, I also have some literature in my office. But um, so my mom was just praying, Lord, is there anything? And the Holy Spirit said, go down in the basement, at the workbench, in the third drawer, open up that thing. And there was a Masonic ring that was there. So, and there's another, if uh, Marlene were here, we'd have her give a testimony, but uh, stuff that was hidden in her attic. It was wondering why there was stuff going on in her house, and so she had some artifacts of darkness uh, that needed to come out. So, I would encourage you, Lord, we don't want any defilements in our house, right? And so, okay. Questions, I think, hello, God calling. It's a, uh, B had a question. She's loaded with questions.
2: Okay. When Pastor Tom talks about the person's been blood sacrificed, I want him to explain that because I don't clearly understand what he means and I'm looking forward to hearing him explain what it means. Okay,
1: blood, yeah, we talk about blood sacrifices. First, let me tell you John Wimber. You you guys probably not all know about John Wimber. He was the founder of the Vineyard Church and he was a fifth-generation pagan, so I'm going to tell you what it's not. Okay, um, he was a fifth-generation pagan, would smoke five smoke packs of cigarettes a day. He was the uh, manager for the Righteous Brothers, right? You lost, yeah, yeah. And so he gets saved. He's in Las Vegas, gets saved, and so he doesn't know anything. He knows he's got to get one of those books that has Holy Bible on it, but he didn't know. So he gets one of those and. And so he goes to the first church he knows about, and it's a, a denominational church, and so he doesn't know anything about anything, right? So at the end of the service, he's like, wow, that was some." comes out, and he's sitting on the front porch and he's, of the church, and he's smoking. Well, one of the deacons comes out and says, you can't be doing that. He goes, I can't. He goes, brother, have you been blood washed yet by the blood of the lamb? He goes, man, when do they do that? <laughs> <laughs> so it's not that okay we're, we're washed by the blood right in the spirit realm All right. now what's the blood sacrifice I recently it was a couple weeks ago I was doing a prayer ministry from another person in another state who had come up through South America and Puerto Rico and Santeria a lot of what they so he had gone to a ceremony with his family, his mother, would bring him to the the medium, the psychic, and what they would do is they'd sacrifice a chicken and they would coat them in the blood for the impartation. Yeah. It's not good. So that's a blood sacrifice. In the satanic ritual abuse, what they do is, this is crazy, but when we were in Argentina, we were operating, uh, doing prayer ministry with a nurse who operated inside the uh, hospital there, and they were, claiming they were doing abortions, but they were actually taking the children from the abortion, keeping them alive, and then sacrificing them to Makumba. And so that blood sacrifice, they take the blood of that and they provide it for demonic possession. So a blood sacrifice, depending, it could be an animal, it can be a human, they, they claim the most powerful ones. That's why this uh, decision that just happened is so powerful over our nation, which breaks that curse. So a so blood sacrifice is, is not something you want. And, uh, and when those who have been through satanic ritual abuse or where a, the, an authority figure in that person's life has opened the door to them, there's a great deal of authority that comes down through. It usually takes more uh, time to work through the release of that, so, okay. All right, I have some questions for you all now. Let's go back to some basics. What is deliverance? There you go. I liked it. Say it again.
2: Setting you free from oppression.
1: Okay. So turn to page. Let's go, go right back to page of where we were at. Page twelve one in your module. Remember, what we're doing. We'll be following out of the spiral bound ministry team training manual. But the first part of this in page twelve one. What is deliverance? Setting a person free from the oppression of a demonic spirit. What is prayer ministry? Oh, wow. What is prayer ministry? Best thing that can to you. Besides the best thing that can happen, what what is it, Rebecca? I'm um, Apart from you, it's
3: like um, a court appearance. Well, I'm apart from you. It's like going to court and having two witnesses mm-hmm. and breaking agreement with certain things you've come into agreement with, and also forgiving people and being
1: broken free. Okay. <laughs> So it's a form, prayer ministry, that's a fancy word for its inner healing. Let me give you what I, let's turn to page 12. Well, let's turn to page twelve nine. That's where we left off last week. We were looking at a lot of the, the legalistic parts of why is the uh, enemy of our soul, he's, he's a legalist. That's why you have to break agreements, curses, Generational stuff that we've looked at before. So, prayer ministry, if you look at the top of page 12.9, prayer ministry defined it's healing through deliverance. So, deliverance is really a subset of prayer ministry. Prayer ministry is the transformation of one's thinking in order to align it with the Word of God. Now, what Rebecca was referring to is the way we execute that is, biblically, we're seated in accordance with Ephesians 2, we're seated in the heavenly realms with Christ. So you may be sitting here in the natural, but as a result of who you belong to, Jesus, you're actually seated with him in the throne room. That's why he says in Colossians, you can walk right into the throne room without fear of judgment. You've been so washed by the blood of the lamb, so set free from him that there is no accusation that can hold you from going into the throne room. So in prayer ministry, you're actually seated in the court of heaven which we get out of 2 Corinthians 12, right? Paul says, I went into the third heaven and what I saw there, I can't explain it to you, but even if I could, I probably wouldn't be allowed to show it or explain it, right? I saw things there, but he said, so we know there's a third heaven. We know from Revelation 12 of last week, the war occurred in heaven. The good news is the Lord and his angels cast Satan and his minions, one third of them, out of heaven, unfortunately, they were cast to the earth. <laughs> that's why I most believe that the demonic realm, that is we see here in all the evil that's taking place, even this week, this guy in, in Illinois, right? You have to be possessed by a demon spirit of murder to be able to do that. And so that realm of darkness, so we are authorized by the court of heaven based on our authority and his anointing to be able to operate from that place and execute the authority here in this realm. Right? So prayer ministry, what it, um, it's really, we wanna know what is it that the person believes that is not true or is partially true. So if you look at that page 12-9, there is a subset of deliverance in the prayer ministry. We get to the point where if there's a demonic oppression or something happening, we we'll can't command it to go and leave and it will, but it's so much more important. In fact, the more that you, uh, operate with the individual with, tell me your story. I wanna hear your story, and as you tell me your story, I'm listening in the spirit to the spirit that's behind what has come against you that you now believe is, is true, but it isn't fully true. It's true that it happened to you. We're not saying that, I had one recently had been raped twice when she was a younger teenager. The, uh, the opposition that happened to her, the promise, all, those were true things that happened and stole her innocence that she then dealt with all this. She, she's now a lot older than that, so there's this place where that truly happened to you. We're not saying that didn't happen. You need to just get over it. No, there's an oppressive spirit that was taken from you, right, that, that was given to you and taken your innocence. And so we wanna know what is it that you believe that is not truth, so that we can renounce the lie of what truly happened and replace it with truth, because the truth sets you free. Jesus said, I am the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life, right? And I'm going away and it's good that I go away because the Father's gonna send you the spirit of truth that will lead you and guide you in all truth. Once you get the truth, you get set free. So prayer ministry is, what's the truth? Where's the truth? And so let me give you a couple other, I wanna ask a couple more questions. So prayer ministry is really the transformation of one's thinking. And there's some scriptures that go with that. Maybe you can think of some of those. Proverbs 23, seven says, as a person believes in their heart, so it is. Whether it's true or false. If you believe you're being rejected or that you're unworthy, this person recently I was doing a prayer ministry on, we, we start to look for what is the theme of the liar in your life that will reveal the strong man that you now, that is the stronghold, the fortress that Paul talks about in Second Corinthians 10. What is the fortress over your mind that you believe? That's why I told you, the weapons we fight with are not carnal. They're mighty to the pulling down of demonic strongholds, taking every thought captive, bringing it into subjection to the obedience of Christ. So this person had been told, you're a nobody. Married to somebody, a prior husband that said, you're useless, no one could ever love you, no one would ever want you. When that happens in a husband, then you tra- backtrack and you find a parent who says, you're, no- you're of no value, I don't really love you. When you start to build the structure of that lie that attacks the person's worth, and they believe they've been rejected and they're nobody, and then she struggles with all this, and then the enemy starts to compound those things with other lies that people bring, and then we start to see a pattern. Rejection, low value, low self-esteem, inferiority, I'm not worthy, I'm not valued, which as you know is a lie. Jesus, the son of God, died that you could be set free. The thoughts of, are about you are as numerous as the sands of the sea. He wrote your name on the palm of his hand. So it's like, which scripture does not show value of who you are? So you know it's a lie, but it doesn't matter. I've been, the person had been so assaulted that they believed the lie. So prayer ministry is where we put on our Holy Spirit detective hats and say, Lord, I wanna know what the truth is here. What does this person believe that is not true? Or is partially true? The best liar is the one that has bits of truth, right? And so so we wanna see in prayer ministry some other scriptures, Romans 12, right? Romans 12, one and two, what does it say? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Letting God change the way you think. If you'll do that, he'll show you his perfect plan and will for you. So there's a let God change the way you think. So another scripture, the one we talked about was in 2 Corinthians 10, right? Three through five. The weapons that we fight with are not carnal. Philippians four, fix your thoughts on what is right, true, holy, pure, righteous, right? So there's a fixing of your thoughts. Don't be anxious for anything, Paul tells us in Philippians. So again, these scriptures are there that says there's something really, really important about, if, and I wrote this a few weeks ago on the handout, right? If you change your mind, and then you change your words, you change your life. That's why we're, we're crazy around here. You say things like, oh yeah, my head's killing me. No, no, you're not. you're not dying from that in Jesus' name. Be careful of your words, be careful what you say, and as parents or grandparents or those who are supposed to be encouragers, you may have a, a desire to motivate someone. You know, I wish you'd work harder. You're never gonna amount to anything if you don't work harder on your grades. Well, tremendous motive, really lousy method, right? So we need to be really careful about what we say and how we say it, because those words have power. And I've seen, after thousands of prayer ministries, we get triggered on, what do you believe? What did they say? Oh, well, I went to the psychic and they told me this. What did they specifically say to you? Well, I can't remember what's the general gist and we start to put together what i call the the strategy of the enemy in a particular life looking for the strong man
2: what you were saying before about self-worth one thing about building like in chin um the people there they needed 12 kilometers of piping put down we were able to put down 200 meters but i mean that's not much in to what they need but they had never before had anybody come and help them. So they were kind of like, yeah, it's just us. Why, why, why do we, does anybody care? Defeated. And so they, yeah, they felt they had no self-worth, they had no hope, they're kind of like, yeah, you know, what's the matter? We, we don't, no one cares about us. Yeah. So when we stepped on the bus, they cheered and cheered and cheered. They felt for the first time yeah. like, hey, we're worth it.
1: And that's so valuable. I mean, it's, that, it's, that was,
2: you I know. Know, I mean, like I said, it was like only 200 readers, but more than that, it was just actually telling them, hey, you're worth
1: it. You're valued, yeah. Yeah, yeah when, they, when people go, you came here on your vacation and spent money to do what? And it's like, yeah, because you're valuable, yeah. You know, you're talking my language. I love it. All right. All um, right. So how do we strategically get to, or what's the method by which we find out what's the lie that a person believes? Because once you can get, remember, he, Satan's been a liar from the beginning. So, and then he uses it because he's been a murderer from the beginning. He's a destroyer. We, we know from John 10.10, 10, the job description of Satan is to kill, steal, and destroy. The job description of Jesus is to give life in full abundance. So you got the two do- job descriptions right there. And then your job, my job is First John 3.8. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. John 14:12 says, now greater work shall you do because I go to the Father. So get busy, right? And so that's the equipping side of what we do in prayer ministry. So prayer ministry, it's fancy words for, we're asking you to tell us your life story. We're listening to the bad and the ugly. We realize there's good in it too, but we're listening for the bad and the ugly that has caused you now to believe something that is not true and once we can get there and find the spirit that's behind it we start to build the strategy on how you get set free and so i want you to look on that page 129 in the middle there the the darkness is number 1 identifying the lies and the misconceptions the individual believes or perceives to be true and indeed not and then 2 engages and room specific spirits that form or manipulation or an influence to control the person's life so that's prayer ministry, and now there are different methods and techniques that different ministries use. Many of you have heard probably of Sozo techniques, or may probably been to counseling yourself. And I'm a proponent of once we start, we stay in it until it is done. Now there again, I'm not being critical, but. When, I don't know how, like, we averaged probably six, seven hours with a person, right? And those that I was doing, ministering with a woman who had been trafficked for years, and we're, we're talking hours and hours to unpack the hurt and the wounds. And so what we're doing is once we start, we set aside the whole day. Look, I clean my calendar. I tell my wife, unless you need some, it's really, don't call me. We're going to be tied up in this. And we tell the people, when you come, come prepared, we'll have lunch and we'll figure out when we're done because once we start, it's hard to get back into it the next time. So you really start hearing and you're in the anointing. So we we average my wife often says, "Holy mackerel, you spend all this time as yeah, and I love it. What do you pay for someone who finds freedom, who influences all these others in their lives?" So so if you look at, your, the, this is the handout from weeks ago, I'll just refresh your memory. Um, my tree diagram, I encourage you to look at that. That's an example of, right? The, the, the tree on the right is the tree of death, so people come in and say, we ask them, um, so what's going on? Well, I'm filled with anxiety and I'm fearful a lot, or I'm uh, very depressed and suicidal, so those are, fruit that are hanging on the person's tree but that tree is being fed by a root system that is based upon a lie and we're after the lie that's feeding why are you anxious well some examples of this would be nobody can ever help me or I'm so guilty and ashamed you don't understand what I've done in my life I'm so ashamed of myself I'm so unworthy and unloved well why wouldn't you be anxious if you believe that Nobody can help me, and I'm so ashamed, even the blood of Jesus can't set me free. Lie, liar, pants on fire, right? That is not true, and so, or I hate myself, right? Because of what I've done, or things that have happened to me. So once we understand what the roots are, and the reason it's painful in prayer ministry, because we're pain adverse, we don't like to dig up the roots of our past, or the things that we did. In fact, recently I was doing, someone came, I gotta go in there and I gotta tell my pastor my pre-Jesus stuff. Oh my gosh. And I said, honey, if we haven't heard it, we've done it. And gosh, guess what? I won't even remember anything anyway in a little while. And so why don't you take the stuff that is the most embarrassing and the most damaging to talk about that's in the darkness and bring it to the light so it loses its power. There were three in the tent Friday night that I ministered to, it was amazing. To see the gifts in operation is like, whoa. So this uh, person had come from another state, young woman, and my daughter Katie, you know, when she's on and the Holy Ghost is operating, I don't wanna bump her head up, but man, you just like, sometimes I sit there and like, who is this child, right? When she's not after her chocolate and she's in the spirit, man, boom, right? Or getting you to take her to lunch or something like that is like, ah, right? Oh, she's here. Oh, hi, Katie. I love you, Katie. (laughs) Okay. So anyway, so Katie walks and you know, it's one of those, she gets that look, and I'm like, okay, and she reads this person's mail, and that person breaks and starts bawling her eyes out, and then goes in the tank, and then from the rest of that was baptism of fire and love and whoo-hoo. And so, and the Lord unraveled stuff that happened to her from as a child. So you see the gifts in operation, the gift of prophecy operating, the gift of the baptism in the spirit realm that's there, the deliverance folks that were there, the compassion and the love. And man, that is like... There isn't anything more fun than that. I just, I'm sorry, it just is not. And so we're after in the, in the tree document here or the tree example, we're really after once we dig up the lie that you're embarrassed or don't wanna talk about or so painful to even remember, once that's dug up and exposed, it's like the, the dentist, right Adrian? Once the roots, he's our dentist, he's my dentist. <laughs> Praise God, he's a good one, too. I have no cavities. Amen. And so, and so, and so, once that's exposed, it's like yeast, really sensitive, right? And so, we're after that because once we find out what it is, then we can dig that thing up, ask the Lord to to renounce that pain, that lie, uncover the root of it in such a way that it can then be chopped out. God can pour his spiritual roundup on that, kill that sucker, and then replace it. This is important. Prayer ministry, the other thing is replace the lie with truth. Get the person to speak the truth. So we'll talk next week probably about how you document, how do you bookkeep the process as we go through it. But today I just want to get you grounded in the fact what is prayer ministry? We're after truth, the truth that sets us free. And the Holy Spirit will tell you that because he's the spirit of truth. And if you position yourself in the gifts for that, he will bring that revelation to you and it'll be amazing. You'll sit there like, that was really awesome, Lord. So glad you shared that with us, right? And so, okay, so again, let's look at...
2: Pastor Sometimes I think you understated. But a prayer ministry session is like a whole year of therapy out in the world, or or more, two years. And sometimes even, I know people who've been through therapy, I've never done it, but people who've been through therapy for a couple of years, and they're still like stuck about 25% of the way, maybe two hours into prayer ministry. It's a A to Z cleaning. It's kind of like when you go to the dentist, when you're done, you're clean. You know, you don't want to eat because you don't want to get your teeth dirty again you're just so clean. And yeah. it's, it's just a huge, huge deal.
1: Yeah, that, it's the if you think of it this way, justification, when you come to Christ, it's just, you're justified just as if you never sinned. You're, you're, you're a born again believer, you're a new creation in Christ, but then there's the sanctification process, right? He tells us in Philippians, he who began the work in us will perform it to the day he comes. Right, So you're not the same person you were back here when you got justified. He's cleaning you up, right? He's, he's cleaning us up as we're doing the journey through life and we're working through this if we're cooperating with the Holy Spirit. But what happens in the sanctification process, think of it as a stairwell. We're here and we're going, we're ascending the hill of the Lord, right? Psalm 24, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Clean hands and a pure heart. So what happens in the sanctification, I'm asking the Lord to cleanse me physically, the things I do, but my heart needs to be purified. And in that sanctification, what happens in prayer ministry is you jump stairwells because you're there and what you've done, first you've asked the Holy Spirit two weeks in advance, at least, some of you have been waiting several months to get into prayer ministry, because we're out, booked out, I think now it's October, so, but you've been waiting for months, so the, you'll see in the model, sit down with the Holy Spirit and ask him, so who do I need to forgive? Go back to when you're a little boy or girl and ask the Holy Spirit, show me who's betrayed me, who's wounded me, what are the things, and it's amazing. You'll run into somebody I haven't seen in 30 years, or somebody you're driving by in the car and that person reminds you and like, oh, and a whole rush back, or prayers, all of a sudden you're in prayer and it's like, boom, or a dream, why did I dream that? Ah, revelation stuff that happens, because you ask the Holy Spirit to show you, and he will. Sometimes it's not pretty, but it's okay. So we wanna ask the Holy Spirit to move this in a way that the sanctification process, that's why when I, when I went, I was a pastor, I was 47 years old. I was a pastor, my senior pastor, Steve Mattis, ordered us to go to prayer ministry. I argued with him, I said, man, I'm really good. You know, I can preach forgiveness and confession. I think, I'm he goes, yeah, guess what? You got a lot of baggage and so do I and we're all going and I want you to go get your bags unpacked. So being a good Navy guy, I saluted and went there And man, I walked out of there after six hours like I could float. And I don't know what just happened, but my knapsack of anger and resentment against my dad's alcoholism, the fatherless issues, like everybody's got to have this. If I ever have a chance, we're going to, everybody needs to go. What would it be like to have a whole church filled with people that have no baggage? (laughs) And be like, yay, what a church that might be, right? So anyway, that's why we're kind of wild about this. Here's a... Here's another thing, this is, you're, you're part of a fulfillment. I was, <laughs> I just went to see the Top Gun movie, man, oh man. Other than that one scene, it's okay. But anyway, it's the world. But um, I was in another Tom Cruise movie. I was in um, The Last Samurai movie. So I had taken a young African-American uh, young man who was dating my daughter. I figured, this guy doesn't have a father. I better find out. He needs to know that I'm a father and he better not mess with my little girl, right? So, so I take him, just me and I said, let's go to the movies. So we go, we're in the Tom Cruise Last Samurai. And that's an R-rated slasher, right? And it's, anyway. And so I'm in there. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes on me and I'm like, yeah, I'm in the movie theater. I'm like, Lord, you know I'm watching an R-rated slasher movie right now, right? And so he goes, "I want you to raise up the samurai for the last days." And I said, I said, "Lord, I don't even know what that means." Raise up the samurai for the last days. So, so I drop the young man off, we have a good time, I go back, and I go on Google. I said, "Samurai." I said, "Lord, excuse me, but um If I recall in 1945 when the Japanese lost the war and the emperor was no longer deemed God, um, the warrior breed of the samurai pretty much disappeared. He goes, yeah, but I want you to raise up the spiritual samurai for the last days. So I click on it and up comes, the thing that they're doing for the ladies um, advance Right? Which the dance is dressed in the absolute garment of all the Ephesians 6 warrior, the helmet, the dagger, the whole thing. This thing pops up as a Samurai warrior. I'm like, that looks like an Ephesians 6 warrior. He goes, exactly. And he says, the definition of the Samurais is they were a warrior breed that was so disciplined and dedicated they would give their life in support of God. I said, I'm getting electrocuted right now. So I said, and so I said, well, Lord, can I get some confirmation? So right after that, we get invited to go to uh, Virginia at Raccoon Ford Fellowship. <laughs> and we brought a team there. Some of you remember that. And while we're there, um, this guy, he's an intercessor, he's like the main intercessor for the church. I still have it in my office. There's a, he had a carved samurai sword with. I have at least 60 some odd hearts on it, with the Isaiah 61 verse completely carved into the handle. And he said, I was told by the Lord to give you this samurai sword. These represent, I would do intercession for hours over our church family, and I am giving this sword because of the samurai anointing. I'm like, whoa. I said, okay, that's a confirmation. So then we go to Spain and we're doing prayer ministry for the Battelle ministry team and some of you are on that trip and uh, Toledo is the place where they make some of the best swords in the world, which is near Madrid. These, these guys go to Toledo and they buy me an official, real, genuine samurai sword that'll hurt you if you try. To, and they said, we're supposed to give this to you. said <laughs> so, okay, and that hangs in my office. So my point of this is, there's a fulfillment of the restoration of the disciplined warrior breed. And I've been meeting some of them and they're, they're alive in the earth right now and their desire is to have a disciplined lifestyle that love Jesus so much they're not ashamed of death and they will give them themselves physically, spiritually, emotionally for the king. And they're alive today. I've been meeting some of them. And so when you put the scripture together, we read it last week on Revelation 12. The war in heaven, right? He says there was a war in heaven. And how did this defeating of the enemy happen? It's threefold. He overcome by the blood of the lamb. What he did, he did it by the blood of the lamb. The word of your testimony What do you testify? I testify Jesus, savior, king, healer, soon coming one, right? And you love him so much that you're not even afraid to die. When you put that love devotion together with the blood of what he did and you testify what he did, there's your authority to defeat the devil. And that has to come together when you do prayer ministry. And so, when we look at this together, it's like, okay, God, I wanna be one of those. Turn the page to 1210. The one of the methods, so we will look at methodology, so how do we get to the lie to find the truth? Well, if you look at that top page, the, des- the desire is to release information, to have an expectation both imparted as well as received, what do they, they tell you, and then impartation. Fancy words for, well, what's the information? Tell me your story. What happened to you? Why have you been hurt? What's your wounds? Why are you being tormented? Why are you sad? What, what is it, what's, what's stealing your joy? Tell me your story. And you're listening to, well, this happened when I was on the playground when I was seven. This happened when my mom and dad divorced when I was eight. This happened when I was molested at 13. And you're starting to hear the story, what's the spirit that is behind what you're telling me of the story? Rejection, fear, insecurity, abuse. You're starting to hear that spirit that's operating there. That's information, but we, I always start with, so why are you here? Why, why did you come to prayer ministry? Is, what's the, when you walk out of here, if you got everything that Jesus could give you, what is it? Can you put it in words? Recently, I want all the hindrances out of my life, everything that's blocking my life, and I wanna know my purpose. Do you believe that's God's destiny, desire for you? Yeah, so it's a good, that's a good desire, right? Psalm 37, trust the Lord, do good, he'll give you the desires of your heart. So we try to have them communicate, what's your expectation? And now let us tell you what is God's expectation when, you de- when we uncover the lie or the curse over your life and you renounce it and we replace it with God's expectation of truth. Whew, let God change the way you think. And then when you walk out of here, you gotta do what I handed out to you the first night. You gotta walk out your spiritual warfare. Analyze your thinking. Stinking thinking doesn't work well, right? So this is that, Where? what's the source of that thought? Once you know the source of that thought, and it's not yours, don't buy it, don't, don't agree with it, trash it and replace it and speak the truth over it, over your life, release that power. Most people forget that they gotta replace the lie with truth. So it's one thing to expose a lie, it's another thing to operate. Hey Siri, what are some scriptures associated with overcoming depression?
0: Okay, I found this on the web. For what are some scriptures associated with overcoming depression? Check it out.
1: 18 Bible verses for that. 21 Bible verses for overcoming. Bible ver- So you have a- access, right? She doesn't know the Bible, but she can put things together for you. Sometimes she screws it all up. But, but you, you, we give her grace and then, you know. So you can quickly, once the lie has been uncovered, when you're, when you're doing the analysis of your thinking, fix your thoughts on what is right, true, pure, holy, and good, he'll, he'll put a guard over your life and your heart that you can't even physically understand. Once you start to analyze that and replace it with truth because what does the Word say? Hebrews 4.12 says, the Word of God is full of living power and it's able to cut between soul and spirit and is a revealer of the flesh and intents of the heart. So once I sit there and say, what was that thought? Ooh, that's an ugly thought. Yeah, it's not mine and I don't want it either. And so, but there's the choice. Are you gonna let God change the way you think or are you gonna embrace that ugly thought and go somewhere with it which will then open a door you don't wanna open, right? That's your choice, that's spiritual warfare. So it's not sufficient to just uncover the lie, you also gotta get to a place where what's the truth and get them to speak the truth. So we're real careful about once we uncover the lie, what's counter this, what is the truth? I renounce the lie that i have always gonna be rejected. I have forgiven the person on the playground, the bully that did this, the molester who did that. I have forgiven, I've forgiven, because how do you tie up the strong man? We covered this two, three weeks ago. What are the ways that you tie up a strong man in a person's life? Two ways. Prayer is the, is the, is the method, but forgiveness and Confession, right? When you think, and which is the model. We're gonna look at the model. So what happens, when Jesus says in Matthew 12, when he casts a demon out of a person, the kingdom of God has come among you, right? That's in Matthew 12. And then he sits there and says, you can't enter the strong man's house unless someone stronger than him is here. In other words, Jesus said, I'm here, right? And I'm here, you're representing him, go into the strong man's house, You're now going to enter into the temple of the living stone of the person who's sitting in front of you, who has the kingdom of God in them, because they're a believer, remember? We don't do ministry on anyone that's not a believer. So you have the kingdom here, that kingdom needs to be released in such a way that once they understand, wow, so how do I tie up the strong man that's bringing the oppression, the hindrances, the sadness, the despair? I forgive, because Jesus said in Matthew 6, that if you forgive, you'll be forgiven, but if you don't, the Father won't forgive you either, so it's not a choice. You will to honor, to forgive, even though I don't feel like it. I choose to forgive so and so for such and such, and every time I forgive them, I put a lash around the strong man that opened that door that hurt me. I forgive them. Forgive them, Father, they don't know what they're doing. And then, confession. What happens? In my case, my father's alcoholism, the abuse, the brokenness opened a door of anger, resentment, distrust of the fatherhood of God, who, the provider. There's no food in the house tonight. Those are things that opened in the little 10, 11-year-old boy that said, I, don't, I can't trust the father. I don't know what he's gonna be like when he comes home tonight. And what's he gonna do when he gets here? And by the way, there's no food in the house, so we take my paper route money to go buy food. So I gotta provide for myself and my mom because I'm the oldest of four boys. You see the lie? It's true, but it opened the door that you can't trust the father. So in my prayer ministry, they quickly, so what do you need to forgive? I need to forgive my father's drunkenness and this and this and he did this and he did that and pretty soon they're like, this boy's got some daddy issues. But once I start to forgive my father for what he did, and then guess what? I better confess my anger, my hatred, the desire that there was times I wish he would never come home. When I confess those, what's happened? I just tied up a strong man. And so then what happens? When they start praying for you in the name of Jesus, that distrust of the authority figures in your life and the provision that can't be provided by God, that's a lie in Jesus' name, get out! And the little boy starts to get become right there like oh my god what's happening all the rejection the anger resentment hatred goes out and pretty soon the little boy is like oh i'm free but i don't know what happened i know what happened now but jesus i walked out of there like okay praise the lord so we're looking at information, expectation, and the end part of that at the top of that page is impartation. Once they've, we, we go through, I said, so is there anything, is there anyone else you need to forgive? And we give a moment and sometimes, they'll give a picture, I had one recently, I saw this person in a, in a Girl Scout uniform, and I'm like, does a Girl Scout uniform mean anything to you? Oh yeah, like, what happened? Oh, let me tell you about my troop leader. And like, okay. Another one was riding a horse. And so it's like, there's examples of ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything else? And just wait. And you'll be amazed. You just give the Holy Spirit time to operate. That person will share something. Or, And then another one is, is there anything you haven't told us that you think you should, but you're embarrassed to tell us? And that can open a whole door of I'm not gonna or... I don't think so. I think I've been transparent, usually you can tell. So that's where we tie up the strong wind. But then the impartation part of this is, once the house has been swept clean, Revelation, Matthew 12, the house is now swept clean and in order, because once the Holy Spirit comes in the house and has been confession and forgiveness, there is no longer any sin in the house, right? 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins to him, he's faithful to forgive you from all unrighteousness. Whose sins you remit are remitted. That's an amazing, powerful statement. Me remitting? Yeah, by my authority, that person. What about James five? If anyone's suffering among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint with oil. The prayer that's offered in faith shall sozo, heal, save, and deliver the sick. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous shall accomplish much, confessing your sins one to another. So what happens? That person, they've already confessed to Jesus, probably been to communion. And everything. Well, how come I'm still tormented? Have you ever told two other witnesses who are now seated in the heavenly realms with you in the courtroom with Jesus that you've just forgiven this person and confessed that sin? And we say amen and we forgive. Something shifts in the environment. And that person's like, whoa, what have you just done? The house has now been, you've gone through with the Holy Spirit willing partner there with the free will of the individual. I forgive, I, I don't want to forgive. I'd rather bless this person with a brick, but Jesus said, forgive and I'll forgive. And I choose to forgive. And you know, what's the words, I choose to forgive so for and so for such and such. And now I confess my sin of. Once that happened, this house, this first Peter chapter two living stone is now clean. But that house has to get full. Holy Spirit, this is where we, we hammer this one, right? And what did he say in Luke chapter 11? If an evil father can give a good gift to, the, to his children, how much more would heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Right? And they, we invite in the Holy Spirit's present. Come and fill this house. Get that house. Now it's all in order and it's all swept clean. Now put a no vacancy sign out so those critters who just left... They can't come back here, and if they try to come back, there'll be a fight, but this person is now equipped with all the spiritual warfare. How are you trying to get in? You're trying to tempt me, you're trying to give me a thought, I'm not buying that, get behind me, Satan. And they stay, keep the house clean. That's prayer ministry, as simply as I know how to speak it. But what we're really after is an encounter with God, right? If you look at that paragraph there, it's only by Jesus. Once a person meets Jesus in this thing, whoo, and there are different methods of that, you know, the different techniques, but we just invite the presence at that point, and when they meet Jesus, that truth sets them free. I love the, sometimes when we'll say, well, this lie that you believe, example, um, there was a person I did years ago, no longer lives here at all, Um, and I I think Pat was in this ministry, is Pat here? Pat's here. Um, The reason I know a lot about this one is because Pat exchanged phone numbers with, and I got the daily dump on this one. So it was a good teaching point. So this person had come, and her father was very, well, will just say very rigid, and she always felt insecure, tried to be a tomboy for dad, and wasn't working out well. And So she felt rejected. He always told her, look, don't mess with boys, don't ride with them, don't do anything with them, because if you do, they got one thing on their mind, and I don't want you to be. Well, at 16, she ride, gets a ride home from a basketball game with a, with, a, with a classmate, and he rapes her. She comes in, tells dad what happened, and dad threatens the boy, but says, look, you know, here's the reality of this. You're in his car. It's gonna be his word against you, and I told you not to do this. So he threatens the boy and says, now, you know, don't you ever come near my daughter again, but that's the end of it. Well, she becomes very promiscuous. She'd been involved in some witchcraft and went to a Ouija board, asked the Ouija board, who am I gonna marry someday? And it prints out a name. She then leaves at 18, I'm getting out of my house, I gotta get away from this place, this city. Goes to another city, gets involved in a, in a, in a very worldly uh, business. And meets a lot of ugly guys that are, you know, that's what's on their mind. And she's cooperating with some of that. But then meets this guy in the business whose name was in the Ouija board from way back when and thinks, ah, it's my fulfillment. Starts dating him, they get married. He's a bisexual abuser and leaves her for another man. After eight years of marriage, dissolves the marriage. She comes back to this area, says, look, I'm done and done. Pretty soon she meets a guy who's really safe, got a good job, and they get married, and years go by, children are in the picture, and the marriage is falling apart, and they're going to counseling, they're trying to get marriage counseling to make it work, it's not working, and then she runs into one of our ladies in the church, says, well have you been to prayer ministry? What's that? So signs it up, Doesn't come to our church, signs up, comes to prayer ministry, voila, Pat and I are ministering to her. So we're going through the model. So why are you here? My marriage is a mess. <laughs> well, we've tried everything and I, <laughs> okay. Well, let's go back to your childhood. So, starts revealing what I just told you. The rapist, the father issues, right? The husband ran away with another man, right? And, and the Lord just prompted me and said, um, what do you believe about men? Forget I'm a pastor and forget, we, I wanna know what you believe about men. And then she gets in a really deep voice, men are a bunch of filthy pigs that won't only get in your pants. And then she recovers and Pat and I look at each other and uh, say, oh, well that's what you believe. And she, you know, we, we do the pastoral thing. Well, yeah, okay. So that's a lot Do you believe all men are like that? Or is it the men you've met? And if you believe that about your husband, do you think he can ever get access to your heart? I'm afraid to trust him with my heart. He'll break it, because I've had my heart broken. I said, well, how's that working for you? It's not. I said, okay, would you be willing to forgive all the characters that broke your heart and did all those things, confess your sin and anger to that, and would you be willing to give your husband access to your heart, even if he does break it? And she agrees. She gives us a commitment, says. So what the modus operandi, the familiar way of acting, is? they would go about and then they'd have an argument. For three days, she'd sleep in the other room, lock the door, not talk, and then they gotta pay bills and take care of kids. So they patch it up and try to make it work. And there they are. And so I said, well, the next time this happens, you can't run. You gotta give him your heart. Pastor, that's really scary. I said, I know. But he's not all men he's your husband and he hasn't done everything right because none of us have but if he's willing to listen and at least give you an opportunity to share your heart you've got to give him an opportunity anyway it doesn't go 24 hours and the reason i know this the next morning she calls pat so no drama anything like that we go through the process and bless her release her she calls pat in the morning and says you're not gonna believe this but um, I went home and my husband realized, he thought I was going to a counseling session like we do for marriage counseling. When I told him I was there for seven hours and I told him everything about us, including you and me, he goes, you did what? So here's the prideful, arrogant man. You uncover, I don't even know who these people, who are these people, I'm a businessman in town and what did you, ta-? and he starts unloading on her. Now that would be the point where she normally exits stage, right, I'm done, I won't talk to you. And she says, I told them that I would let you break my heart. And you're breaking my heart right now. And she sits there and tells him, I went there to save our marriage. And I'm giving you permission if you want to. And she starts crying and then he starts crying. And then she, he repents to her. You're right. And I can't tell you what she told Pat. I don't think I can do that on live stream. Anyway, they had a really good night of making up. I'll let your mind go from there, okay? And. And uh, so I'm just reporting, okay, I'm just reporting. And that's the beauty of covenant marriage. So, so they. the next day she, she's like, oh my goodness, she's contacting Pat and he's buying her flowers, taking her out to dinner, right? And there was this amazing connection. Two weeks later, comes to the office unannounced and Pat buzzes me and says, Mr. So-and-so's here. And I'm like, okay and he shakes my hand across the desk and says, you have an amazing counseling ministry. What the guy was saying is, wow, this is really different. And uh, I like this. Now that's the good part of the story. They started coming to the church, did prayer ministry on him, the children, one of the children, and then the choice to follow the Holy Spirit or not, and one of them dove in deep into the Holy Ghost. I even offered to pay to go with us to Tanzania. I said, you need to go on a mission trip. I'll pay your way to go on this and he refused. The marriage fell apart and he's no longer alive. And so, so I just want us to, in the real life examples of what this is, prayer ministry has got to get to the gut level and you've got to be able in humility to let some stuff go and forgive that stuff that you don't want to forgive. All right, moving right along. Um, let's, we've already covered a lot of this on page the bottom of page 1210, the acceleration of the sanctification process. We also covered on page uh, 1211 that uh, the free will needed to be involved. It was a ministry of love. And we talked a lot about Revelation chapter 12 there um, on declared war which is really what takes place, 12-12, deals with Ephesians six, which again is the Ephesians six warrior, put on the whole armor of God, because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, right? Right, so that, that we do need to recognize this, the, the, the situation in the human environment is driven by spiritual realms, and so, all right. Absolutely. One time only in prayer ministry. One and
3: done. You think it's one and
1: done? It can be, but no. Um, that's why um, there's there. It depends on how well one have you been. To- I've shared with you before. A few weeks back, we went on a mission trip to uh, Santa Ana, Brazil, and one of the guys who knew went with us decided that he wasn't going to share all of his pre-Jesus stuff because he didn't trust. So we get into Brazil and Santarém, which is one of the most immoral cities in the Navy. I was in a lot of bad places, okay? This one topped the top, right? They, they had this um, festival of the dolphins where the freshwater dolphins in their culture there in the Amazon region in Northern Brazil, they believe that there's this three-day period the dolphins manifest as human men and you can have sex with anybody whether you're married or not and, and there's no problem. They had a coliseum built for this three-day celebration. And we arrived there. there I told you, there's, there ha- there's a couple having sex on the front lawn. There's condoms all I'm like, where in the heck are we? And like... When we engaged in that spirit, it was, and we prayed, Lord, you got to shut this thing down. We can't be here while they're having some dolphin festival with that and then all this going on. The Lord brought the Amazon rains and they shut down the festival. And we're in the church and we ministered in the church. And it was, so this guy, he he managed the information and went to prayer ministry because it was a requirement. If you're going to go with us on a prayer ministry, you need your bags unpacked. So you give the devil nothing to work with, right? Well, he went there and he didn't share everything. And then we get there and his prayer partner's got some offense with one of our other ladies. So they're two, they're paired up together, the guy who hadn't shared all of his stuff, who's got bags wide open, and the woman who's got an offense against another team member. And when the, when the, when it hit the fan, and we, Randy gets up and says, in the name of Jeep, no prayer, no preparation, no altar call, nobody, like Randy, we don't ever do that anymore. But now it's like, We come against you, Satan, in the name of Jesus, all immorality. And all of a sudden, you got like a 100 people on the ground foaming at the mouth, banging their heads and like, okay, team, just go after the ones that are hurting themselves the worst and triage them. And this guy and this woman get in a particular room, and the devil grabs a hold of her, and she's turning blue, and she starts screaming, and he freaks out, and a spirit of fear jumps on him. And it was authorized because he had stuff he had never let go. Because of his pride and his fear and a lack of humility, that devil is authorized to mess with you. And so after that, when he came back and he got set free, it was amazing. Territorial spirit left him in the plane. He got back here and for the next several prayer uh, preparations for the next mission trips we were doing, he would come and give his testimony. You don't wanna hide nothing. Let me tell you why. <laughs> he was, he was, wide open. and her, his partner also came and said, you don't want any offenses either. You don't want to be messed with. I'm telling you, it's not good. So, okay. So, moving right along. Let's, um, so it's not one and done. There's, it's going to depend on how well are you doing your spiritual warfare? And how well are you dealing with the stuff that's in your life? And you, Are you willing to let it go? Because rebellion disobedience first samuel 15 rebellion against the word of god is the spirit of witchcraft so when you rebel against the word of god through pornography adultery immorality hatred unforgiveness you open a door that depending on where you are in that sequence that devil can come in and start working on you and then we justify it because we want to medicate pain somehow And the Lord doesn't want that. So a lot of it depends on how free do you wanna be? How obedient do you wanna be? It's It's a choice. It's not easy, I get it, especially if there's an addiction spirit or there's a generational spirit that's operating. Okay. Moving on, um, there's lots of biblical examples here on page 1213, we've, we've cut, covered a lot of these in the past sessions. In the next several pages, 1214, again, scripture dealing with, I told you the book of Mark, one third of Mark's documents, one third of every bit of Jesus' ministry's deliverance. Look at page 1216. This deals with territorial spirits, that's why what happened in the United States in the last week, two, uh, 10 days, 12 days is really huge because we know from the book of Daniel, when Daniel started praying 21 days before the manifestation of the the revelation of the prayer fulfilled, Daniel's praying and then we find out, I have to go back quickly because right now the, the realm of the angelic is in a fight against the territorial spirit that is over your nation in Israel. In Persia at that time, Daniel was in, in, uh, exiled in Persia. But he says, but I gotta get back because we're about to engage the territorial spirit over the, over the spirit of, over Greece. So the United States has territorial spirit. We've been in those places. That place in Ana, Brazil, was immorality, perversion, molestation, and rape. It was a spirit that had operated in that. You'd come up to a woman and try to pray for her, she'd recoil from all the incest and the brokenness that was happening in that region. That spirit needed to be uh, confronted, and so, There are territorial spirits because of the misbehavior, the disobedience and the rebellion that has happened by the people. This can happen at a familiar level. What have your generations been involved in? What door did they open generationally? Because the sins of the father has a right to visit to the third and fourth generation. It says in some translations affect. So my Masonic grandfather who ran off with another woman as a womanizer affected my generation. My father became an alcoholic. There were doors that were open there. My brother became an alcoholic. That spirit of addiction and brokenness came down through the familiar line. And until someone says, I'll never drink alcohol again, I'll never touch another drug of anything, never did, but this this has to stop here because what's the promise out of Galatians chapter three? The Abrahamic covenant says the blessings of Abraham belong to the heirs and the joint heirs of the promise. And all those who are the children of God have that access to them, but you gotta behave like a child of God. And so those are the places, so so we gotta attack this thing from what is my sin level, what's my rebellion, and then what are the generational rebellion? If there's been witchcraft in the family, we see this from people who've come from, like from Africa, South America, it's so prevalent there. You talk about blood sacrifice. This person had come from South America, Puerto Rico, and that, that culture of Santa, uh, Santa, Santa yeah, San La Muerte. Yeah, San La Muerte, That that spirit of darkness where the blood sacrifice is part of the culture. And so that has been opened as a generational witchcraft sin against their life. And you start unpacking, you find out, been married four or five times, the torment that's there. The thing, what's the source of that? Well, there's been, re- there's been cooperation with rebellion, which is sin and witchcraft, but there's also generational stuff. So we have to deal with that, and we often cover that. I've spoken about that from Exodus 20, Exodus 34 before. Oh, yes. Abby and I did one,
3: where uh, Argentina, Eddie? When the pastor's wife, this was like a really, really, really scary one, right? She was a pastor's wife for years and years and years. And she ministered in the church with the, the, the people that we were there with, but also the other side. And she had no idea that there was anything in there. And, but she was, like you, we were forced to go through ministry. You don't remember, but... The, this keep, keep refresh me so okay, what happens well, either way we did the ministry she was in a lot of pain and she was a, she was a dark skinned woman and um, she was like bent over a little bit right and she had this from the time she was a teenager a very young girl she'd been raped by family members she never shared with anybody she didn't want to even tell us but of course you know Addie said we see it You know, so (laughs) she confessed it and finished the ministry. The ministry went on for hours. It was really amazing. That night, she came into the auditorium and her skin color was lighter. She stood upright. Wow. I mean, that was a revelation. Yeah, now I remember. You remember?
1: Yeah, so that spirit of infirmity that had affected her to the point where... um, once she let it go, so some of the darkest stuff you don't want to talk about that's usually the linchpin of what really lets stuff free the which one the day day. all the healing yeah, yeah that, well, I think I've shared that there, we were in uh, Resistencia Argentina in a Baptist church, and this pastor. Randy Clark had asked me to take a team there, so we went with, I think there were like, I forget now how many went with us, but anyway, we met with the pastor. When we got there, we arrived, 12 hours, 16 hours on the bus, I can't remember, Pat, how many, it was like wild. We got there, and the pastor, um, he, we walked in, I remember realized in this denomination, Holy Spirit is not taught, and deliverance was not done either. So we walked in there and he looked like he had not slept for days. We walked in and, and uh, I said, Pastor, what, what do you want? We're here for a whole week. What do, you, what do you need? What do you want? He goes, I've got people who have infiltrated my staff who are witches and they're, they're cursing my family. My wife and I, she's a doctor. My wife and I go around and we minister in high schools and stuff about purity. And we have been so attacked my wife, my son, he's 10 years old, he's been seeing demons in the house, visibly show, showing up to him, he's afraid. My wife has nearly died multiple times, she's been in the hospital. We're sitting in our church and I'm preaching and the ceiling fan that's in the, in the overhead disconnects and comes down, almost takes her head off. She's recovered from that, but that is all witchcraft stuff. I said, okay, and so, are you okay if I preach about the Holy Spirit for impartation, and can we do deliverance on your people, some of your key leaders? He said, "You do whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do." I'm like, "Whoa!" And so, that's a whole long story about um, what happened. There was one of, one of those times where the Holy Spirit fell in such power, and He uncovered the witchcraft that was in the in the congregation, and the Lord challenged them directly. They ran out of the place. So. So the, the, the point of all that is even in that place where th- he was trying to do all the right things and, and just not equipped for the fight. And so the Lord brings in the resources that, that are needed. Okay, um, we already covered this, but look at page... Um, the page 1217, we had a debate I think a few weeks, or a discussion a few weeks ago, can a Christian be possessed? And there, there's that whole part of that. The answer is no, you can see that they tell us, but the reason is in the King James, the, the word Diomyzenai was translated possessed with devils, but it was, it's more accurately should be translated under the power of a demon or under the influence of a demon. So you can look at the, I've listed there, the lexicon, the English, you can go back and look at it if you saw. I like what Frank Hammond says, he's in heaven now. His wife and he wrote, he were real forerunners in this whole deliverance. In his book, Demons and Deliverance, think about this, this is a great example. You own your house and your property, right? Or at least the bank does and you help them, right? And so so you, you, it's legally your deeded, that's your deeded property, right? So even though it's your house, can someone trespass on your property without, without you giving them permission? Can they break into your house? Yeah, and so, but do you have the right to tell them um, to get off your property? And do you have the right to call the police and have them escorted off your property? So he uses this as his example of, you. this is your house, but the devil can come into your property. It's kind of like, if you allow, Um, I recently was at a place, this person was hoarding and they had 60 bags of garbage. I'm not exaggerating, for months. My wife, I filled a dumpster outside her house, loaded that stuff up. I said, there was so much stuff of bugs and critters. If you allow the garbage to build up in your house, it attracts them. And so what we do in prayer ministry is we find out what's the trash that needs to go outside the house so the critters can't be in there. Another example. So Frank Hammond uses example of why are we surprised sometimes when Christians who open doors and bring trash in their life, why they end up having critters? That's the example. I think it's a good one. So, but at the same time, you can clean it out and and, uh, take care of it. Okay. Question.
0: So, after my prayer ministry, I had felt a good weight coming off of, of my shoulders, but prior to my prayer ministry, um, I take recycling, glory to God, to Ashley High School, and somebody had set these two beautiful Bibles outside in a, in a box. Well, I took them to the house, not understanding that there was something wrong with them. I, I had no idea. They were beautiful, table golden, um,
3: yeah. uh, King yeah.
0: James Version, red letter, there was... I didn't see anything wrong with them. I had them on to the on uh, the dresser in my room. And Pastor Tom is aware of this. That um, I would be in my room and praying and scratching myself, banging my head on the wall, um, puking after communion, uh, bad language coming out of me. And we'd already renounced everything and didn't understand. So
1: had two uh, guys had come over the house to, to help with to the. Clean the house. Clean the house, and um, what's here, Lord?
0: It was one of the holy Bibles had a Masonic symbol on it, and I was not aware of this, and it was being blocked from me because I prayed for revelation blocked from me, but revealed to them. So that Bible was gone and burned. The other one was like prayed over, but I was led two days later. Uh uh, they reminded that needed to be burned, so I burned that one, and since then. That release has come and there's been no more scratching. There's no more um, hmm. of that demonic and that sort. So, yes, yeah. be careful yeah. what we bring into the house. Yeah. And no, this came in with, yeah, saying, oh, the, it, they were two Masonic Bibles used in, yeah. in cold yeah. practices. That's good. That's good. And I brought it into my bedroom. So,
1: but... it looked really pretty, but it wasn't. No, um, no it was a pretty demonic Bible. <laughs> so, yeah and that, that's what deception is. Okay, um, so we, we've covered this before about um, can a Christian be possessed? No, but they can be oppressed. On 1217, seventeen, I've tra- the knowledge of who we are and what authority as believers. So you really need to know your authority, you need to know your responsibility, and then you need to know your battle. And in your battle, it's that strategy, timing, the who, the what, the when, and the where. That's why I love it when a person, the reason we, um, oftentimes we'll get calls, or Pat will, that says, um, my husband needs that deliverance ministry and I'm setting up an appointment for him. (laughs) Right, Pat? (laughs) And it's like, "Uh, does your husband want it? Well, no, but he needs it. Uh, (laughs) That may be true, (laughs) but can you have your husband call us? Right. And so this is that engagement of the free will, but because knowing your authority, once you know who you are in Christ and what your authority is and your responsibility, if Mark 16 is the great commission, not the great suggestion of go into all the world, make disciples of all men, these will be the signs of that, that those that believe. Cast out demons in my name. Handle deadly things without harm. Lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So you already know your responsibility. You're responsible for what the God, Lord has given you. Right? That's why he got so mad. I shared this last week. In Mark chapter nine, when he comes off the Mount of Transfiguration, and the other nine at the bottom couldn't cast the demon out of the little boy. You faithless and perverse generation, how long do I have to put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Like, whoa, that's that's like he's not a happy leader right now, right? Because he had already given them power and authority and they didn't exercise it. So when you know who you are, you know your responsibility, then it's a matter, is this my fight? David did not go to war unless he asked the Lord and he asked him for the strategy. Sometimes it was a frontal attack, sometimes in the battle, I think it was Ziklag, go behind when you hear the army walking through the trees and the balsam trees, attack from behind. So the Lord will give you the strategy of that, right? And that's why we don't start ministry until we've prayed that through, okay. Getting there. Um, on page, we already did this last week, the sons of Sceva, that's authority. You know from that, Acts chapter 19, right? I know Paul and I know Jesus, I don't know you, and they went home naked, beat up. <clears throat> not, a great in, not a great prayer ministry. So how was your day, honey? <laughs> not, not good, okay. <laughs> Intimidation, we've covered this, I think, pretty well. The devil will try to intimidate you. He'll say things like, when I come out, I'll kill you and her or they'll do a manifestation to distract, or severe pain, shooting pains. Why, because they're diverting away from the fact that uh, they're about ready to be uncovered, and they wanna, or they'll send up a lower level demon, and you do some stupid stuff, and then, so you just be aware, no, we're not gonna be intimidated. Here's some examples of that on page um, 1219. We've covered this before, snake-like motions, vomiting, hair pulling, biting, scratching, eyeballs rolled back, screaming, violent shaking, all these lovely things, right? Um, Yawning, sometimes, or coughing. Someone who starts yawning, what's going on there? So again, you're praying with your eyes open and you're watching for the manifestations of what's happening. That'll give you a clue of what that is. And if you're in the midst of casting out a particular spiritual thing, like I come against the spirit of rejection, and it's like, and there's this, okay, there's something there. What's, so you, that's an uncovering of what's at the root of the rejection that needs to be uncovered here. And you can pursue that and more. Tell me about what you're feeling right now. What was, I'm feeling this. Well, tell me about rejection. What, what is it that you feel have, has been rejected in your life? Is there a particular time where you remember? Sometimes they will tell you, I know exactly when this door opened, right? And so other times it's, no, I'm not really sure. So, so one of the intimidations is to, uh, the enemy's plans is to intimidate. Okay, bottom of 1219. So, what are God, As God's ambassadors, we're, we're looking for the time, and we've already covered this. If someone were to manifest, um, it's different in, in conference settings or in the tent where you, you're really there for a season, but um, a short time and you really can't necessarily get into. It. I always try to take them apart. Usually, we've been in the back of the tent. We wanna unpack this a little more. Tell me more of your story. Now, there are those that will engage right then with the Spirit and cast it out and just get out, get out, whatever it is. Um, I have found that's not always as effective, it isn't. It's not as effective. I know Jesus can do it, and he has, especially in a conference setting where you're there and you're flying out the next day, the Lord will release a grace that is just power. So The Lord knows all the limitations, but he, there are times where we need to spend time with the individual to have them tell us the story of what's really, what really broke your heart, what's going on here, tell me that. And as you're in a compassionate role, listening, and sharing with them, that love relationship. See, love always conquers those broken places. And so I prefer us to shut down manifestations and, and set up a time where we can do that privately. Um, so what are some of the determining factors there on the bottom of that page, one through five? Um, The person is manifesting in public and has a spirit that is authorized to be present. When something starts manifesting, we're in worship and all of a sudden something's manifesting, there's an authorization there. And like we said, half the time the person may not even be aware that they're in that place. So yeah, we gotta finish. Okay, number two, the person is highly tormented, probably can't get free by themselves. The lies of the door that have been opened have been authorized by spirits present and need to be dealt with. Truth needs to set them free. We wanna protect the dignity. That's why whenever we're ministering to a woman, there's a woman present. Whenever we're ministering to a man, there's a man present. And so, because again, you need a witness, and it says if one can put a 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight, Jesus sent them out in in, uh, Luke chapter 10, two by two. So there's something powerful about uh, doubling up there. Warn the person to keep the door closed. We covered that as well. You don't want seven worse coming on you. Okay. So we have uh, two more sessions after this night. So we're going to finish. So uh, I hope or pray that you'll finish reading all of this module, which goes, it's really not that many more pages. It gets to the destiny, the actual destiny model, uh, which we're going to get to next week. And we're going to walk through some mock um, models that we've done using some actual ones that have happened in the past. We're going to walk through. I'm going to show you how to, what I suggest, how you book it. This is kind of like, how do you keep track of um, what's the spirit you're hearing? And then what are some of the generational things? What's the lie? How do you phrase the lie? There's a a bit of Holy Spirit art to this that, and it doesn't have to be perfect either. Because you can ask the person, I'm sensing right now that, um, this whole spirit of rejection and unworthiness, um, does that witness with you? Oh yeah, I said, where do you think that started? And if they start telling you about a childhood or a relationship that was significant, um, then you'll start to unpack, what is that that's there? And then you start to, well tell me about that event. Well. I remember exactly, it was an event, I got blamed, this is one, this is a real one, I was blamed for something that my sibling did that I didn't do, and my father beat me with a belt so bad I had bruises all over my body, but he wouldn't believe me that I didn't do it. And so that image of that, I I won't be believed, and as a consequence, I will receive in false accusation and abuse. So false accusation and Injustice, those are sisters that run. So that, we need to, one, forgive the father for that, and then we need it to come against that spirit. So we'll, we'll look at how to book that. So if you would please look through the rest of this and then look hard at the actual destiny model, which is on uh, begins on uh, page 1229. It's actually not numbered, but right after 1228. You'll see the steps there. As you kind of read through it, you'll start to see What's the first part, which is set the spiritual environment. we are gonna pray as a team. Then we're gonna ask you to tell the story, reveal, and then we're gonna ask for impartation, uh, revelation of that coming against the darkness and at the end is impartation. So you'll start to see the steps of the model are unfolded. And what we have found is if you will follow this model, there are other models, but if you'll fo- first of all, if you operate in this house, you have to follow this model. I don't care what other model you've done and all that's, that's great, but you're gonna follow this model in this house because there's a reason for that in the covering, but it's also um, from an insurance point of view, okay? And so I realize some of you have been trained in other places, but you need to learn this model if you're gonna operate here. And not everybody's gonna be able to operate. It's, there's a process. I wanna quickly cover this. Uh, Pastor Terry and I, many of you have gone through the ministry team training that we did for like six weeks, right? Right? and in preparation for what's coming. And then we're doing this, which is another six weeks. So then you need to go to your own prayer ministry if you've not been to your prayer ministry or it's been a while, you need to get a refresher. Then you have to go through the course, which you've done. And then second, you need to set up, and I gave you this as, as part of the handout the first night, the ministry agreement sheet, which is basically what are our core values and will you sign up for those core values? If you get offended, you can't stay offended because Matthew 18 says no and Matthew 5 says no. So I agree not to let my offense divide the house. (laughs) I'll be here. There's no place in the scriptures where it tells you that you join a church by signing some document. There's no, you show me in the scriptures where it says I'm a member of the church because I'm on their rolls. It doesn't, it's not there. And so, but we do know that there's a tribe and being part of your tribe, First Corinthians twelve twenty-eight says God places you in the house, in the body part that you're supposed to be in. So you wanna, if you're a hand, be a hand. So how do you become a hand? You be, you're part of the body, you're, you're present, you're connected to the body. So you come to service, you participate, you serve, you give with your heart, that's family. And so part of the ministry agreement sheet is, I agree to be part of the family. I won't talk about. I won't roast the pastor after service, even if I don't like what he said. Right? Anyway, th- this is this is uh, examples of the ministry agreement sheet, and then you'll meet with Pastor Terry or I. We'll look at did you come through all of that? Will any questions you have about this? And then if you're going to be part of this deliverance ministry or prayer ministry you need to start sitting in with myself and some of the other team members and we've been doing that the other day I had four we had four of us in the room two, two were there participating so because we want you to be equipped where the model becomes um, not secondary but it's like I know how to do this right I know I know how I should approach this Does that make sense okay let's stand and we got two more weeks, and then, by the way, after this, um, Bishop, Pastor Bishop, myself, Lisa Moore, um, maybe we're going to do a, we're going to do f- probably four, maybe five weeks of uh, fivefold ministry training, right? What is fivefold ministry, and then how do you operate in it? Remember, we we gave the special the gifts test. So if you haven't taken your gifts test, you can go online and get it. But so that'll fit with once we've equipped, we're discipling. What is ministry team? what is the prayer ministry team, and then what is the fivefold ministry, because what you'll find out is, um, those who have done this before, when you test and you, let's say that in your fivefold ministry, your gifting is pastoral, more pastoral. Those are the people that ought to be our meter greeters, or Loretta's gonna run a team. What, we, we've been getting a lot of visitors, and so we're gonna have a visitor team on Sunday morning, so those kind of folks that are, they're just nice, you know, you, hi. Welcome, you know, and, and they know something about the church too, Like, so anyway. Lord, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus for peace. Anyone who's been listening in live stream, I know these can open a whole lot of questions about where we are, what's our past, maybe this is my, Lord, I just pray that the spirit of truth, there would be no anxiety and no fear, that we would know that Jesus is equipping, because this day was recorded in the book, Psalm 139, so we know that you destined people to be here for this day. And then you're teaching us. What did Paul tell us? You don't need anybody to teach you. We just need the Holy Ghost to teach us. So Lord, take that equipping and start to reveal the depths of your people's hearts. I pray a blessing over their marriages, over their relationships. We had an amazing time, 30 intercessors this morning, and the theme was prodigals coming home. So God, I thank you for all the prodigals that, that are out there. We've been praying for and in seeding for, Lord. Bring divine appointments across their pathway. And God, we thank you. This is gonna be the year. Jennifer Costell prophesied it was gonna be a year. I believe the prodigals were coming home. So I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless y'all. Thank you.